Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Talking about chicken a la king, mango and garbanzo, tabbouleh, Real potatoes, zins, vegetables, with roasted garlic and basil, zucchini, ziti, granola, fruit bar. Look at all this beautiful food. Welcome to Green Eggs and Dan, where I interview amazing people with amazing minds, but all I care about is what is in their fridge. My guest today, a hilarious comedian, writer, actor, producer. She's all the hyphens. She's got a bunch of very funny stand-up specials. She's done all the late-night shows. She's written for a bunch of fantastic shows, including Medical Police, People of Earth, Crowded, Surviving Jack, and she was a writer-producer on one of my favorite shows, Barry on HBO. Please welcome Emily Heller. Hello! Thank you for having me. Thank you uh, for being here. So your Zoom name says Peter Miller, who's your husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your last name is Heller. Yeah. I feel like it's just one letter, basically. You're right. He should change his name. He should change his name. <laughs> <laughs> there were, we did get a couple presumptuous wedding gifts that were like monogrammed with the letter M as if I was going to yeah. change my name, which... Uh, was pretty funny considering we very explicitly got married for health insurance. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you sh- you should have everything monogrammed L L E R. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, the lure. The, you guys, the lures. <laughs> the lures. Okay, let us quickly before we talk about anything else mm-hmm. important get into your fridge. Yeah. You guys can see. Emily's fridge on my Instagram at standupdan. Oh boy. Okay. Well, you know, you guys do a lot of takeout, is what I'm seeing here. There's a huge tower of takeout here up top. Look, that's all from one meal. Let's be clear. (laughs) I wasn't judging. I mean, I was, but I wasn't, you could hear it in my tone. Yeah. That is. Um, What is this? Where is this from? That is from Mazal. Mazal, is that like is uh, like, Israeli food? Yeah, it's like a vegetarian Israeli restaurant. I think they're Israeli. Um, but uh, yeah, it's really good. So, you know, one of those containers is just baba ganoush. Um, <laughs> Which is just filler. That doesn't count. <laughs> which I'm like, it's a side. By the way, in the Baba Ganoush Humus Wars, which is not even in a war, it's kind of like Uber versus Lyft, <laughs> I am still an enormous fan. Uh, like, I think I'm a bigger fan of baba ganoush than I am of hummus. Oh, big time. Me too. I think it's, yeah. like, the only sort of, like, the only thing that hummus has going for it is protein. <laughs> Which yes. baba ganoush is, you know, nutritionally pretty insignificant because yeah, eggplants think... are just water. <laughs> you can live two days on eggplants alone. That's it. Mm-hmm. In fact, it takes your life away a little bit. I think it sucks the nutrients out of you. <laughs> but um, I, pr- I definitely prefer baba ganoush. Um, and then on your second row, we have more takeout here. Okay, yeah, that's a little bit of takeout. I actually can't identify what that first one is. And that mm-hmm. rice has got to be very old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I should I never throw know away. when to throw out rice. I think rice just never goes... It's like never goes bad, never goes bad, and then you open it one day and it's like a fucking Petri dish. It just gets dry really fast. That's the thing. And here's another issue with my fridge is I am a composter. So, Mm -hmm. like, sometimes if I don't want to throw something out but I want to, like, put it in the compost but I don't want to deal with putting it in the compost, that will keep it in the fridge longer than it should be. Ah, so some of this is just like a purgatory for the compost. Yes, it is. It's compost okay. purgatory. So that's that rice, you know, is I think maybe a couple weeks old and I, I need to take it out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um where do you normally get your is this was this Chinese food? I'm judging based on the <laughs> rice carton. There's a sort of Great Wall of China looking thing on it. You know, that's actually from Thai food. Oh, yeah. interesting. But they don't make Thai food-specific rice containers, I think. I think they probably right. just get the Chinese ones in bulk. I think that's true. Also, um, Thai people don't use chopsticks. Yeah. Unless they're unless they're having Chinese-style noodles, they call it. Right. Like, which is like noodles in a soup, like a ramen-type thing. Yeah, or uh, like northern Thai, a lot of northern Thai cuisine because it was like 
on sort of the, was it the Silk Road or like they do more trade with China? A yeah. lot of the Northern Thai dishes, they'll give you chopsticks because a lot of those dishes developed as sort of like fusion-y, like cow soy is like a Northern Thai. We went to Thailand and like when we were in Northern Thailand, a lot of times when you like walk into a store or a restaurant, they say ni hao. Because Get out of here. If you're if you're just like a foreign visitor, <laughs> uh, sometimes they would just be like, oh, this is how we greet foreigners here. That is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> and I was I like, love when a I love when a culture is racist against itself. Like <laughs> <laughs> But it's not like, their own culture. It's <laughs> I know, but it's like we have I'm I'm Iranian and I'm my my dad's side of the family is from a town called Esfahan which is like they're known for being really cheap shady people mm-hmm. and my dad will be like haggling with someone and be like you know me I'm Esfahani it's in my blood I'm like don't embrace <laughs> that <death." laughs> Jesus uh, yeah I went to a Thai restaurant recently and it was probably last year and I asked for chopsticks and I saw her like kind of eye roll and I was like do you guys not use chopsticks she's like no we just use it for noodle dishes and then I looked into it and it's a pretty bizarre story basically like the the king of Thailand in like the late 1800s like went to Europe and like everyone was using forks and stuff and he was like yo we got to bring these back <laughs> And huh. he, like, made a decree. He's like, we're not using chopsticks anymore. We're just using So they forks. did use chopsticks before that. Interesting. Yeah. And then he wanted to be fancy. And so. The king has a over. lot of power there. Yeah, which is weird. Because it doesn't strike you as, like, a kind of a North Korea-ish type place. Like, everyone seems kind of. It doesn't seem like you're li- you're in an authoritarian country when you're there. No. But then, like, if you, like, slander the king, like, if you tweet against the king, like, you're going to jail for the rest of your life. Yeah, you can get, it's, like, a huge sign of disrespect. I, we went to a couple movies when we were over there, too, and it was, like, before the movies, they play, like, the national anthem, or and you have to stand and, like, pay respect to the king. Um, we visited, wow. like, right before the king died. By the way, if anyone's listening, yes, one of the top three reasons to go to Thailand, one is the nature, two is the food, three is the movie theaters. You want to go to Thailand to watch movies? Oh, yeah. I'm joking. You're being serious? Well, that was, they had 40X movie theaters before we did, like all over the place. What are four? 40 X movies are the ones where like your chair moves and they like spray air at you. It's like oh, in conjunction yeah. with the movie on screen. We saw the like point break reboot there and uh-huh. it was like so crazy. Like when someone was like, dur- like during one of the fight scenes, the chair like kind of like punches you in the back a little bit. And oh, like fun. when they're like surfing or whatever, there's like little like squirts of water it's very it's very intense i don't know if i totally recommend it but we started getting 40x movie theaters after they did like their movie theaters are actually pretty good wow okay yeah. well i then i owe you an apology because i was making fun <laughs> of you and it turned back on me well i also i sprained my ankle like the first day of our trip so we ended up not doing a ton of like hiking around the palaces and trying to figure out what we could do while sitting down and we ended up seeing a couple movies there and they were both really fun to see the other one we saw was a thai movie that was an animated movie that was a series of short films all inspired by the king's dog that were commissioned by the government and it was really fun (laughs) the king really really loved his dog it's one of those few times that uh a lunatic authoritarian actually did something right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. These need to be seen, King. And Good again, job. I want to be clear. I don't actually know if the king is an authoritarian. I don't want to get be on record saying that. I want to go back to Thailand and have a good time. <laughs> okay. You see, the fact that you're scared of saying that out loud tells you all you need to know. I just haven't him. looked into it in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it's uh, it's like when I say it, when we were like protesting or against like the stuff happening in Iran, and my mom's like, "Watch what you say! You're never gonna be able to." They're watching. I'm like, "Mom, we're in America. They're not. We're they're, they're we not made listening it out. to my podcasts." <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go to Iran. We were listening to Green Eggs and Dan. <laughs> Big fans. Big fans. However, okay. So on your second row, yes, in the back, you've got your bon maman mm-hmm. preserves, which. Is kind of I'm gonna 
this is thematically a part of the issue that I see with your fridge. <laughs> I feel like there's no rhyme or reason to anything. You've got oh, no. you've got your jelly in the on the second row down all the way in the back. You've got like w- omega vitamins for the pet in yes. the front. Yeah. Um you've got yogurt in the back on the second row but that's then on the That's cottage cheese. Oh that's cottage cheese. Yeah. Okay. And then on the third row you've got sour cream and and goat cheese and like why w- it's all like- based on the size of the things i probably uh. should move all the dairy to the middle shelf just for more consistency but a lot of stuff got taken out and then put back in like in just sort of random order that day cuz i did okay. or or like earlier this week i took this picture yesterday i guess and like in the interim i did some grocery shopping and we also i also had someone over and i cooked a bunch and then that mm. led me to like taking a bunch of stuff out and putting a bunch of stuff back in. Okay. Yeah. I'll give you a pass. <laughs> Where does Waterloo, the drink, lie in the so on the second row there's three strawberry waterloos uh-huh. where where does that fall on the spindrift lacroix uh sliding scale okay here's the thing spindrift doesn't belong in the same category because that has actual juice in it so it's not a seltzer it's not like a sparkling water it's its own it's juice you know what i mean so but it really... Hold on. In Spindrift's defense, and they're not a sponsor, but if you want to be, uh, uh-huh. I, I will defend you. They at least are like, look, all you other LaCroix type drinks, you are, you're like basically putting a perfume, like a mist of, uh-huh. of an essence of a fruit or whatever. We're saying rather than that, we'll just squeeze a little bit of juice. We'll give you like four calories as opposed <laughs> to zero so that you actually get the actual essence rather than a false essence. Yeah, but I don't want to drink sugar. Okay. That's the thing is I'm like, if I want, if I'm going to ingest sugar, it should be ice cream. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to waste my sugar ingestion on on a drink when I can trick myself into thinking I'm getting sugar by drinking Waterloo. I do think Waterloo is pretty high up, but it really depends on the flavor. Waterloo and bubbly are my preferences, but... What's bubbly? I don't even know what bubbly it's is. It's just a different brand that okay. also has some fun flavors. They've got like a blackberry, which I like. Um, but Waterloo strawberry, I think, is probably the best strawberry. I, I'm actually realizing something right now. Was it you who had the sign at the <laughs> yes. Writer's Grill strike yesterday that said, honk if you like LaCroix? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Look, yet- I would have said Waterloo, but it would have been confusing. Yes, because they'd be like, oh, the. Yeah, LaCroix is like the stand in for, (laughs) you know, lightly flavored seltzer water. Right. You don't want people to see the Waterloo sign and be like, yeah, I like the the battle where Napoleon lost. Yeah, I'll hunt for that. Napoleon got what was coming to him. (laughs) (laughs) Weird that she has a sign for that, but yeah. I agree that he needed to be, he needed to, the, the rain needed to end. Yeah. <laughs> it is a strange name for, why is, why is it called Waterloo? Just because it has water in it. I really think that's the only thing where they're like, it's water-ish. I, 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 I really think it's as simple as that. I think it's an awful name because water, all right, if we're going to break it down like it's water, then the other side is loo. Which, which is, is toilet. bathroom yeah. and toilet in England, in British. Yeah. In, English. It's a really, it's a really bad name. It's a horrible name. Is this like the trade? Is this is this what Trader Joe's carries, or does Trader Joe's have their own little? Oh, Trader uh, Joe's probably has like a Joseph's tonic or some shit. (laughs) I don't know. Oh, my God. Um, speaking of Joseph's Tonic, you have something in your door here, which definitely looks like an old-timey. You got this at an apothecary. Oh. Uh, it's like a glass jar with a, with a cork, with a cork that looks it. like it was – the cork looks like it was, it was hand-carved out of a cork <laughs> tree. Um, that's a bottle of homemade chili crisp that my brother made. Whoa. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. He's got a lot of time on his hands. He's an incredibly talented um, chef and gardener. So it's like made with peppers that uh, 
I either he grew or I grew. I gave him a bunch of the peppers. I think he made that with some peppers that I grew that I gave to him. But wow, because I does grew. He sell t- them? No, he doesn't. He just okay. makes it for himself. I mean, it's like he's really into figuring out. Like he's really good at making pickles too, and he and he does that with stuff he's grown. So he watched The Last of Us, and he was like, "I need to prepare." <laughs> he's been he's been way ahead of The Last of Us. Um, wait, so you were saying before you grow, you grow a ton of pickles. I'm sorry, not pickles. You, you grow pickles. You got that pickle tree. Um, no, you, you grow a bunch of peppers. Um, yeah, well, I actually, I took a last year off from gardening because we were doing some construction at our house. But the year before that, like my husband really likes spicy food. Part of the reason why we were excited to go to Thailand. And yeah. I was like, the thing about peppers is. They are, um, as a vegetable, really easy to sort of like breed into new varieties. So there are just sort of infinite varieties of peppers that you will never taste because they're not popular enough to sell in grocery stores, but you can grow them yourself pretty easily. And so I took it upon myself to grow a bunch of really interesting spicy peppers year before last um, just to try them. And... I mean, some of them are like chemical weapons. <laughs> they're like, yeah. you, they're, you can't even handle them without gloves and goggles on. Um, and some of them are a bit more reasonable, but um, they're all pretty spicy. But I had so many. They were so prolific that it got to a point where it was like, we have to figure out how to preserve them. And so I, I got a dehydrator. I dehydrated a bunch that way and put them in like spice grinders. And then I also just like dried some on a string on the wall, like you see at like a restaurant in New Mexico. And I gave some to my brother to like preserve as he wished wow that's a pretty fun fact about emily like i feel like (laughs) if you were doing an icebreaker yeah a new job and they're like tell us something about you that no one would guess and be like i am the pepper whisperer i would have yeah my favorite i just want to like give a shout out to my favorite pepper that i grew that year which was the um peruvian white habanero it's these very small like yellowish whitish peppers that are so spicy but also kind of like floral and fruity but then they have like a smoky finish to them too and they're really spicy really potent i really love them and i'd say of all of the like dried peppers it's the one that i add to my food the most wow yeah peruvian white habanero never heard of it is it actually white um, yeah, they they come out white and then they slowly turn more yellow as they get like a bit riper. And do they taste like, how do they compare to like a regular habanero? They taste pretty similar to a regular habanero. They've just got like a little bit more complexity, I'd say. That's so interesting. Um, one of my friends had, uh, had a dinner party and like this chef made, or he had habaneros that had the heat bread out of them oh i'm growing some of those this year habanadas habanadas i'm so excited about these so yeah can i tell um, you something they blew my fucking mind oh my god i've never talked to someone who've eat who's eaten them before what did they taste like first of all you're welcome (laughs) second of all (laughs) there is a very weird mental thing that happens because it definitely tastes like a habanero and you're expecting the heat you're expecting the heat. You get real nervous. Like, I've never gotten so nervous eating a food. Like, it feels like Russian roulette. It yeah. really feels like, like, kind of... Like when you eat shishitos and you're waiting for the spicy one, yeah. I was going to say, you get that with shishitos, but even the spicy one is kind of fun with shishitos. Yeah. And if you put a whole habanero in your mouth, it would oh, be no, like, yeah. that would be... <laughs> you're in hell. You know, rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, so it's really trippy, but you definitely get the flavor... Like, I feel like they're good to eat for people who are like, peppers have no flavor. They're just hot. Like, it definitely, you put it in your mouth and you're like, this is 100% a habanero. Yeah. But it doesn't have the heat. It's That's wild. what I've read that it's like, and then it just sort of like you relax into like the nuances of the flavor. So the story behind habanadas is that, yeah, someone discovered a genetic anomaly where like there was just like a genetic mutation in these habaneros they were growing where they came out with not only no heat, but actually no flavor. They were like a zero on the Scoville scale, but they had no flavor. And over 15 generations, they crossbred those ones with regular habaneros until all of the heat was gone, but all of the flavor 
remained. Wow. It, so, it, yeah, it took 15 generations and then... I was going <laughs> to what a waste of genetic knowledge passed out. <laughs> like, we, yes, we could have cured cancer with this knowledge, but instead we bred a pepperless pepper. You can't... You can't... You can't they, it's not that much genetic knowledge. Like, it just appeared out of nowhere. Like, right. it was just a totally random genetic mutation. And it really is not that complicated to just, like, breed peppers together. All you're doing is just, like, putting the flowers next to each other. Yeah. 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 Um, just hoping, hoping uh, you know, they, yeah. they have chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm really hoping that my seedlings survive and I can taste them this year. I'm like, that's the thing I'm growing this year that I'm the most excited about. That is so cool. I'm actually yeah. very excited for you. And... Um, I would love to be able to buy them. I don't know that I have the I have it in me to grow them. I, I well, I also don't have enough sun where I live for them. Um, Peppers need a lot of sun. Yeah, don't you live in LA? No, I do, but like my house, like is like covered in ivy and doesn't have like a lot of like constant sun throughout the day. Oh, even outside. Yeah, it's like a it's a very shaded uh, little uh, oasis. Yeah, you'd have place. to get like grow lights and do it inside. Yeah, no, I have ferns. I got a lot of ferns. <laughs> yeah, that's good for Shane. Yeah, I got a lot of ferns. The non-hot habanero, called very cheekily the habanada, has an interesting backstory. The man behind the habanada is a Cornell University plant breeder named Michael Mazurek, who created it as a part of his doctoral research. He got the idea after discovering a rogue, heatless pepper whose genetics behaved very differently from a naturally sweet pepper like bell peppers. This pepper had somehow lost whatever made it spicy in the first place, so Mazurek wondered what would happen if they created a habanero without the heat. After a couple of generations of cross-pollinating, or as I like to call it, steamy hot veg-on-veg action, he started to get some non-hot but aromatic peppers. In 2014, the habanada was one of the plants featured in the Culinary Breeding Network Variety Showcase, an annual event where chefs are paired with a new food variety and left to experiment. Nora Atin, chef of Portland, Oregon's Le Pigeon Restaurant, awesome place, by the way, she got the habanada, which she turned into a summer sherbet. It was a hit, and the habanada now is the most popular non-peppery pepper around. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, I'm going to get to the questions that I uh, ask everyone on the podcast. All right. to see what your answers are, starting with what is your earliest food memory? It's So it's hard to say because of how memory works, because I'm like, I think the earliest ones are the ones that turned into stories that we told in the family. Um, so I my earliest one is, so I grew up in Alameda, California, home of the original Chevy's Tex-Mex, the very first Chevy's restaurant. I don't even know Alameda. what Chevy's Tex-Mex is. <gasps> You've never been to Chevy's? No. Oh, my God. They were huge for a few years. <laughs> they went nationwide. We had one in Times Square, but the first one was in Alameda. And it's like these Tex-Mex restaurants, and they had like a tortilla machine where you could see them making the tortillas. Um, and uh, I went there with my family when I was pretty young, and I got a Shirley Temple, and they only put one maraschino cherry in it, and I got really upset, and so they brought me a whole bowl of maraschino cherries, and I ate all of them and got immediate diarrhea. <laughs> yeah, and there's alcohol in Isn't there alcohol in Oh, no, a Shirley Temple is like a mocktail. It's like... No, but the maraschino cherries. Oh, I is there? They're like preserved in a little bit of alcohol. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's why I got di- diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why they're no longer in business because they kept getting all these kids drunk. <laughs> Wait, is it is it out of business? Well, the original one isn't there anymore, but now you're making me look it up. Yeah, you're you're doing research for me. Chevy's. Yeah. No, it's still open. I think they have like fewer locations than they used to. I'm a big fan of Tex-Mex. I think it's a very fun fusion. It's like Texans being like, like, all right. Mexicans, you've worked on this uh, cuisine for generations and generations. 
we're going to take it and put a lot more processed cheese on it. And uh, I don't think that's the origin of Tex-Mex because I think it really is just that it's like it's less that Texans were like, I'm going to take Mexican food and more that it's like. Texas decided Mexico was part of Texas. They decided, like, hey, this land. And so there's a lot of Mexican people still in Texas. Yes. Yeah. There are. (laughs) Yeah. I think what, well, okay, it's a little bit half and half. So basically, yes, there were a lot of Mexicans in Texas. But product-wise, Texas was, you could get a lot more um, kind of, you know, the American diet kind of seeped into it. Right, yeah. and, And the processed cheese, like... It's definitely, definitely made for American palates, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying yeah. that in a bad way, but that was kind of what was available. And then it, it got interacted in. And because and, it's only, it's a pretty modern, Tex-Mex is not like a super old thing. It's yeah, like early 1900s. Okay, so here's um, where Chevy still has locations. Sacramento, Fairfield, Roseville, Santa Rosa, South San Francisco, Vallejo. So this is all California, Northern California so far. Arlington. Virginia? I think so. Greenbelt, Elk Grove, Union City, Emeryville, Bloomington, Sioux Falls, Clifton, Linden, Annapolis, Arendelle Mills, Miami, O'Fallon, Olivet, Orlando Millennia, and Tesson Ferry. I don't know where that wow. is. but That was like a list of cities that I never, ever want to go to. <laughs> <laughs> that was literally nailed every single place that I don't want to go to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> if I find myself in Yeah. Uh, Sioux Falls. Uh-huh. <laughs> go to the Chevys. I will, be, I will be sure to go to Chevys. Um okay, what is your death row meal? So let's see. What's a good reason to to for you to go to death row? Let's say you f- spend all this time growing these habanados. You eat when you're so excited, and it's actually very spicy. You uh-huh. take one, you go back to the gardener who sold you the seeds, the seeds and you yeah. shove it in his face. Little did you know, he ironically is allergic to peppers, <laughs> even though he sells pepper seeds. Right. And goes into anaphylactic shock. He's dead. You're on death row. What is your death row meal? Um. So I have been a vegetarian for like 20 years. But not because I didn't like meat. I really liked meat. And so I think my death row meal is probably just going to be like all the meat that I miss. Mm. You know, like kielbasa, fried chicken, pork loin, like probably a lot of pork. You know, I think it's going to be a real meat heavy meal. You know, it's funny that you didn't mention steak because... Oh, steak. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I was going to say the number one requested uh, death row meal on the show is steak. Is steak. But I, but I kind of love that you mentioned a bunch of interesting other meats than steak. <laughs> steak is like... Steak is the easy answer. But kielbasa? Kielbasa no? was one of my favorites. And it's one really? of those things like... The thing is like fried chicken... We've got pretty good vegan fried chicken. Like, we've sort of figured that out. It's not... I'm rolling my eyes, everyone. (laughs) My eyes are rolling out of its skull. The last five years have seen incredible innovation. As someone who's been eating fake meat for 20 years, we didn't used to have it figured out. We kind of have it figured out now. Um, And... (sighs) But we haven't figured out steak. We haven't figured out kielbasa. Like... There's just something that's like a little bit more sort of like irony, you know, mm, like mm. about the the red meat. Yeah. Um, have you? So, I, yeah, I'm kind of the the fake meat stuff is interesting to me because I'm always like, I think I would have much rather just have eaten vegetarian or like something that is a meaty like tempeh. I like tempeh in that <sighs> world. Yeah. Um, I like, I don't know. Do you like the impossible meat or would you rather, ha- if you're going to have a burger, would you rather have an impossible burger or a, like a, you know, black bean burger? Um, I prefer Beyond or like a fake chicken one. I prefer um, to like a What's black bean. What's the fake bean. chicken one made out of? Is it? Some of them are made with, some of them are made like vegetarian, not vegan. So they've mm-hmm. got some like egg white in there that sort of helps with some of the texture. Um, but a lot of them are, I mean, they're mostly soy. And the thing is like real chicken, sometimes you get those weird little like stringy fat things that kind of gross you out. None of that, the, none of that in the vegan one. Um, 
But, I mean, burgers themselves are like, I wasn't crazy about burgers when I ate meat. That wasn't one of the things where I was like, ooh, a burger. But I usually go for Beyond Burgers versus like – but I will say like it's just such a crapshoot whether people are good at making like veggie burgers. Like there's some places in L.A. that make really good ones. Castle's Hamburgers makes like one of the best like homemade – like I will definitely go for their house-made veggie burger over like a Beyond Burger. But it really depends on the restaurant. Is that the place in Koreatown? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, that place is supposed to be fantastic. I've never yeah, been, but it's, it's on my list. Uh, all right. What's the best high-end meal you've ever had? Um, probably Providence in L.A. Ooh. Yeah. Been there a couple times, and it's always Some, been really good. Somebody's got, somebody's got some residuals. <laughs> It's not the residuals, baby. It's just like the straight up paychecks. <laughs> That's the issue. That's why we're striking. Is <laughs> I can't go to Providence now. <laughs> right. Um, no, yeah. It was like, you know, I think it was like for our anniversary or something we went or for my husband's birthday we went and it was just like really good. I do like like very I'm not someone who spends like a lot of money on like nice clothes like or anything like that but i do really like spending my money on like nice meals out or like mm. when we're traveling finding like what's the nicest restaurant here that i yeah. can go to you know just because they it's... have a chevy's is there a <laughs> yes <now>? exactly <laughs> <laughs> well you're in good company i mean i feel like me and all my listeners are on the yeah. same exact page i will say okay wait actually can i change my answer to this of course the actual probably like most mind blowing like fine dining experience I've ever had was uh, there was a very brief period of time when I was an actor on a multicam sitcom on TBS and we shot an episode in Vegas and we went out with like me and a couple staffers and then one of the stars of the show who had been an actor for a long time and was pretty rich and one of our like EPs who was also very rich we went to. Uh, Nobu in Vegas at Caesar's Palace, and they nice. know they know Nobu, like they know the guy, they know yeah. the people there, and so they know Frank Nobu. Frank yeah, Nobu's there. <laughs> no, I do think that it's it, that's it's like a, an eponymous restaurant. I do think yes, that's his yes. first or last name, but um, yes. uh, <laughs> it's like Nobu Matsuhisa or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And um, they just were making like it was one of those situations where like. When you're like, oh, we have a vegetarian at the table and the chef's like, I'll make something special. That's when you're about to get some really good fucking food. Um, And it was so good, but also so stressful because it was not clear at the beginning of the meal whether they were treating or we were splitting it. And I did not have the money to split it. (laughs) And neither did multiple other people at the table. So we were both like really enjoying some of the best food we've ever had and also like panicking (laughs) until at the end it was very clear that they were like paying for the whole meal. And it was probably, you know, like $4,000 or something, something outrageous. But uh That also, I think, made it a better meal at the end because it was just like we were just like staring at each other like the poor people at the table like, oh, God, what are we going to (laughs) do? There is something so there's something so singular that is hard to describe when you're on a TV show that is like just starting out and everyone's got that excitement and there's famous people on it who are way more famous than you and you have to like kind of pretend like you're suddenly buds <laughs> yeah and, like, or that you understand like, anything about their life in any real way <laughs> i did this show and uh it's called the crew on netflix and kevin james was like the star oh of it my God. and so like suddenly we're going to a steakhouse and i'm sitting next to kevin james and i don't know how to relate to him and suddenly it's like, hey, bud. And then the show gets canceled. And you're like, and he's like, I'm never talking to any of you ever again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but we went to your home. You brought us. <laughs> nope, that's not nope. real. <laughs> it's over. That to me is the most, I, I'm trying to think what the word is, but like it's the most cruel thing about Hollywood is like, a lot of people think the cruel thing about Hollywood is people who like dream about making it and will never make it. 
The I think the more crueler thing is when you kind of make it. <laughs> and you get like a whiff. You're like standing outside a restaurant where they're like cooking something really nice. And you're like, hmm. But and you're like, oh, no, I'm not actually getting in and getting a table tonight. I'm I'm like Lady in the Tramping at the back door and getting like a little a little plate of spaghetti that probably fell on the floor before they put right. it out. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, I guess I'll... Uh, Unlike all those Redfin homes that I just spent uh, the past three months liking. <laughs> uh, what's the best low-end meal that you've ever had? Oh, man. Hate to bring it back to Thailand, but the food in Thailand is so good. And if you go to the – and the food at the malls is particularly mm. so good. And one of the best meals I've ever had was like a – it cost like a dollar at one of the malls there. And it was just like – just the best like pad kimau i'll ever have in my entire life it, what is pad kimau by the way um it's one of the like rice noodle dishes it's like stir fried okay, rice it. noodles with like peppers and you know fun i think anyone on this show who's been to thailand will always choose something from thailand for their best low-end meal yeah it's like it's like here's a five course meal 35 cents yeah <laughs> it was amazing <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I almost picked for my high-end meal one that we got there that was, like, $45, which tells you it was, like, really fucking fancy, <laughs> like, right. uh, where it was, like, a molecular gastronomy, but for all Thai food. So we got, oh, like, cool. uh, like, a Thai red curry that was, like, frozen, so it was, like, slushy, which was, like, weirdly worked because, like, the kind of creaminess of the, like, coconut milk curry made it, yeah. like, make sense as kind of, like sort of like a frappuccino but like savory and like it was wow. so fucking good anyway how fun yeah are you a drinker i don't know if you're a drinker or not i don't drink anymore but i also used to do stand up comedy so at a certain point i did drink <laughs> what was your favorite drunk food when you were uh, a degenerate stand up comedian I think the thing that I loved when I was, like, doing stand-up in New York and, like, getting drunk and just, like, getting home that way is just, like, falafel. Like, New York falafel, so cheap, so good, so everywhere. Like, that. Or... Was it the Mamoons? The Mamoons falafel? Yeah, Mamoons is so good. Or just, like, any, any of the... Anywhere you were passing it. You know what I mean? Like whatever yeah. one I was passing or like, you know, dollar slices. But I think that like if I was like going to a diner drunk, it would be mozzarella sticks. That's good. I'm actually you and I are in agreement. The halal truck in New York City when you're drunk oh, God. and walking by it. It's like, yeah, it, it has a there is a uh, what's it? It's like a. A gravitational force yeah. <laughs> pulling you in that you can't resist. And you know what? Part of me, too, is, like, always thinking about that Simpsons episode where they open up the falafel franchise. I don't think I saw it. Where Marge is in the investing club and, like... She opens up the pretzel business and everyone else in the investing club opens up like a falafel business and it they make it look – it's one of those like TV foods that like when it's a cartoon looks really good. And I always sort of think about that when I was eating like really good like street falafel in New York. That is so funny. Did we cross paths in New York uh, stand-up wise? Who knows? I was so drunk. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know if we did. I was only there for a couple years. I was there like 2011 to 2013. Oh, that's like right when I left to come to LA. Okay, yeah, yeah. I came to LA in like 2013. Two ships in the night. Yep. Two ships. I'm not going to ask you your favorite hangover cure because you're not a drinker anymore. I'm not a drinker anymore. You... At the time, it was pancakes. Pancakes? Yeah. Wow, that was on the tip of your tongue. That just was like a real thing. basic, like you know, just buttermilk, br- just bread. It's just bread. <laughs> yeah, it's just bread. Yeah. Who is your favorite celebrity food personality? It has to be, just for pure nostalgia reasons, um, Martin Yan, um, oh. who is a Bay Area local. Uh, yeah. Like he had a PBS cooking show in the bay area called yan can cook yan can cook was amazing yes so good he just has like 
He's so fun to watch. He's just got such a great attitude. And I like used one of his recipes recently. Like I I watched an old video and it just made me so happy to watch it again. It is very like, you know, ratatouille. Like if I he's like, if I can make it, you can make it. Like yeah. that's his whole thing. He's like tries to make re- like recipes accessible, but also like really good, authentic Chinese food. It's funny you say this. I literally happened to watch an episode yesterday. Really? Yeah, because I am, I'm starting a YouTube show called The Vintage Roast, and it's like watching those vintage cooking <gasps> shows and like kind of having fun and roasting Oh, them. wow. But his is like so fun because he's so talented as a chef. Like yeah. I've been watching a lot of these, and a lot of them are not good chefs, like the old school ones, but they're just like, they've got these fun like 70s personalities, you know, yeah. and people love that. But he's his skills are nuts. Like oh my you god, can his, tell this guy his like, knife spent skills. time in the kitchen. Yeah. yeah, watching his knife skills, you're just like, okay, well, I'm not going to do that part of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the Chinese flex of having like a butcher knife be your everything knife. Like yeah. he was just cutting every, like little like chiffonading chives with his big with butcher knife. With just the knife. giant, the biggest <laughs> knife you've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> so cool. No, I love him. His personality is infectious too. He's just like. Also, his his accent is very fun and like almost like he kind of revels in it. I don't know. I really love I, I love that show. He's yeah. fantastic. He's like, I mean, it's also like growing up in the Bay Area, I think I took for granted how long our history of like Chinese culture is there. Like oh, yeah. Chinese food in San Francisco has been there since, you know. At the, the very, yeah, the 1800s. Yeah. Like, since the founding of the city. It's, like, so integral to it. And, um, yeah, so, like, you have to be fucking good to be, like, the Chinese food chef on TV in the Bay Area. Like, oh, yeah. you have to be legit. I actually saw him recently on, I started watching that show, Bling Empire. Have you watched that? No. Um, It's, like, you know, they basically, <laughs> it's, like, a reality show on Netflix about, like, obscenely wealthy asian american people and it was sort of like the answer to crazy rich asians like they were like well this is the who the real people are and it's not a good reality show but there's one episode where they take a private jet up to san francisco to have a private cooking lesson with martin yan (laughs) and i was like oh my god i forgot about him (laughs) you're like i'm back in (laughs) i'm back in (laughs) um yeah that's pretty cool he's i I love that you said that because i don't think anyone's ever said that oh that makes me so happy over over 150 episodes who's the the most popular like anthony bourdain to the point where i almost want to say who's your favorite food personality besides anthony besides anthony bourdain yeah (laughs) because everyone says it and they say it with such gravitas like it's the first time (laughs) yeah like they're like they're like hey it's got to be the yeah, goat, like, dad. It's like, oh, let me guess. I you also like, love I Richard know. Pryor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, desert island food. So you're trapped on a desert island. One food you're going to eat for the rest of your life. You will never tire of it. This is so hard because it is like, I want to say something that doesn't have nutritional value. You know what That's I mean? Fine. Like, no, I want... you don't have to take it literal. It's not about surviving the island. This is not an episode of Alone. Yeah. Just what do you want to eat? It's probably just like pizza with mushrooms, just like a really good thin crust pizza with mushrooms. That's got like the thin crust pizza, New York style thin crust, like yeah, truly the like the one dollar slice, like you like with like the like the shitty mushrooms, like the canned mushrooms. Oh yeah, baby, fresh. Oh yeah, yeah, the canned mushrooms. You're you're filthy. (laughs) You're disgusting. They hold up better. Because of just, like, the way water behaves with mushrooms, the canned ones are already, like, they've sort of already figured out what their, like, moisture level is going to be. Whereas, like, sometimes when you use fresh mushrooms on pizza, it's sort of like they dry out on the top and then stay wet in the middle. And it's kind of, like, weird to bite into. I get that. I I will give the counterpoint that the canned mushrooms are so kind of dense in water that when it cooks the water starts to to cook out of it a little bit and it, and you get a little bit of a soggy or pizza that's just if they haven't been sliced thinly enough or you don't have enough cheese we should start this food version of crossfire <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm being very combative right now <laughs> 
I yield the rest of my time. Okay. Um, what food can't you stand eating? Oh, I'm like really not good with like the taste of the ocean. Like seafood I'm not crazy about. Like it has to be I, and again, I don't eat seafood, but occasionally I'll eat something where I'm like, I'm a vegetarian, but like, I get that a scallop doesn't have a brain. So I'm not like, I know, I, I, I don't have like a problem. It's basically a vegetable, even though it's technically an animal. I just eat dumb animals. I eat the dumbest. <laughs> no, it dumb. literally does not have a brain. So I'm like, right. that's, you know, it's not experiencing like fear or isolation or anything like that. Um, And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine <laughs> with eating that. They're plentiful, whatever. But it's just like... It has to be so mild. If there's any – and seaweed, I can't eat it plain. I'm like, ugh. Like, it, I prefer – like, I, I I can handle seaweed and sushi just because there's other stuff to focus on. And I realize it's integral to the experience. But, like, right. I can't eat, like, plain seaweed or just, like, fish in general. I've just, like I – I can't do it. Right now, the uh... – Chef at Providence, a I know. <laughs> seafood-centric restaurant that you named your favorite high-end restaurant, is fucking yelling in his car <laughs> as he's listening to this. There wasn't fish in anything I ate there. <laughs> Last question. This is my favorite question. Uh, as you as you take a sip of your Waterloo, yes. reminding us of Napoleon's final days, what are your restaurant pet peeves? So I'm going to be, again, vegetarian-specific. My issue is when there's, like, one vegetarian option and it's the same thing at, like, at a bunch of different restaurants, which is just, like, a sandwich with roasted red peppers in it. Mm. I don't like roasted red peppers. I don't think they belong in a sandwich. And I don't think that sandwich should have that as a load-bearing ingredient. Mm. And that is very often the case. It's like either roasted red peppers or like, I'm also like, I love mushrooms. They're maybe my favorite food, but portobello mushrooms are overused mm. just because they're big. Yeah, And most people do not know how to prepare them in a way that actually allows them to like serve a central role in a dish. And so just like, a portobello mushroom red pepper, like roasted red pepper sandwich, is so often the only thing on the menu for me, and I consider it a slap in the face. It's wow. two foods that, like, I'm just like, the roasted red peppers are slimy and sweet. It does not stand in for, like, anything that should be on it. Like, why is that on the sandwich? And then you pair it with, like, badly prepared super wet basically a water balloon of a portobello mushroom and i'm just like you hate me you really really hate me you haven't thought of did anyone at the restaurant eat this sandwich <laughs> it makes me furious i am so thrilled right now because i didn't even know in the beginning you know as a non-vegetarian you never even think about this you took me on the journey i'm with you yeah. And I will pick it with you outside. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Oh, my God. I'm with you a million percent. What an off. I think roasted red peppers are probably one of the most overrated foods. And I think the reason it's on every menu is because the words roasted red pepper look kind of fun on a menu. Yeah. Like, it looks yeah. nice written out. It's like f it, it evokes something it kind of fancy yeah and you know what they look kind of cool when they're charred and like yeah they do have like a decent amount of flavor but the texture is all wrong and it just doesn't fit where they're trying to make it fit and i also i think it's like i really like raw red pepper and obviously mm. like you can't question my pepper bona fides like i am mm. obviously a pepper person in general <laughs> full circle baby <laughs> But, like, the basic bell pepper that you get at, like, a grocery store is such a boring food. Yeah. And it's it feels like it's taken all of the, like, complexity out of this, like, really interesting fruit. Like. You're absolutely right. I never even thought about that. It's kind of like. It's like the reality TV show of peppers. It's like just <laughs> dumb filler taking it's, away from all the talented peppers. It's the millennial gray 
of peppers, if we're being honest. If we're, like, really trying to get at it. It's, like, the thing that you you remove any of the nuance in order to make it, like, so widely acceptable. And, again, this is one of those things where it's, like, when you start growing your own peppers or tomatoes, it makes eating the store-bought ones so much harder because you're, like, they ruined it. They ruined it so that they could, like, put them in a truck and move them across the country. Like, that's what they did. And it's such a bummer. But luckily, I don't have to. I don't have. I'm, like, so I'm not going to eat it if I don't have to. (laughs) Emily, you know, it's always a crapshoot when I <laughs> when I talk to a guest who I don't know because a lot of my friends come on this, and this was one of the more pleasantly surprised uh, <laughs> meeting for the first time and talking food for the first time. We are kindred spirits, oh even gosh. though you're a vegetarian and I'm a carnivore. Thank you for doing uh, oh my gosh. the podcast. This is amazing. Thank you for funny. having me. I can't believe I got to meet someone who's eaten a habanada. I'm genuinely uh, so thrilled and I'm so happy that the experience was not overhyped. Like your experience of it was exactly what I read. Like I was just yeah. reading articles about this fucking pepper. <laughs> Guys, this is why we need to come to an agreement because the writers have nothing else to do <laughs> except for reading articles about fucking pe- peppers, neutered peppers. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Oh, um, Emily, tell everyone where they can find you. Um, I'm on most social media at Mr. Emily Heller. MR Emily Heller. And you can also find me um on the picket lines. I'm in the WGA. I'm striking right now. Um, come out and support us. If you're an actor, please come to the picket lines. You'll get a lot of attention, which I know you want. And we will remember who came when we are casting our next projects. Ooh, Trying to spread the word. Little veiled threat uh, with that inviting yeah, note. <laughs> a threat or an offer. You know what I mean? I'm incentivizing. I didn't even think about that. It's very smart for actors to go to the picket line. This right is now. what I'm saying. I'm, I saw Patrick <laughs> Fabian from Better Call Saul yesterday. Yesterday, and I was like, points. Okay. <laughs> Solidarity. I love him. He he's he gets it. I love it. Well, as a member of both guilds, uh, I will say <laughs> I would be out there except that I have a broken leg right now. Oh no. Uh, although I can walk on I can sort of start walking on my boot and I have the perfect sign, which is which will say, uh, actors can't break a leg without writers. Oh <laughs> very good. Come on. Come Very on. good. All right. Well, thank you, Emily. Thanks for having me. 